Hello, hello. It's Tuesday, not Sunday, and I do apologize for bringing this to you late. It was a crazy weekend, and this case that I'm doing is also a lot. It took me a lot longer to research than I thought. Uh, It was a lot, and I tried to include as much information as I could, but here we are. This is Twisted Wicked Crime with me, Christina, and this just means that since it's Tuesday, that we'll be back on our regular schedule um, with me bringing you a new one on Sunday. So we'll get one a little sooner than later, closer together, which is kind of nice, right? Now I'm on a nine-day vacation, and the reason I couldn't bring this to you on Sunday was I was at a baseball game with my dad, my brother, my husband, and my daughter. I did get very sunburned. I have a hard time putting on sunscreen because of all the chemicals in it, and I don't want that like burning in my skin. And I've actually seen some TikTok videos where they actually put permanent marker on the wall and then use sunscreen to take it off. So I really don't want to put that on my skin. I know it's bad. Um, If anybody knows some natural sunscreens, I'd appreciate that. Now, I don't always not wear it, but I did get burned this time. But again, I'm sorry for bringing this to you later. Now, with that said, let's get started because I have a long one for you today. This is a wild case. This case does not seem like it's real life. Like it feels like a made up movie, but it's real and it's crazy. It's horrific. And I'm not really going to tell you who it is yet, even though you probably can guess by the title of this. Um, But let's begin and let's talk about Catherine Knight, the world's worst mother and possibly a female Hannibal Lecter. Catherine, oh Catherine, where do we start with you? Now this place, this case takes place in Australia. So the down on da, <laughs> that was my horrible Australian accent. I'm gonna give you a warning. This is a brutal and intense case. Catherine is scary and this woman did so many bad things. And that's kind of saying it nicely. Now, I'm going to begin by giving you a little taste of what's to come. In Aberdeen, Australia, 49-year-old Catherine Knight brutally murdered her common-law husband, John Price, on February 29th, 2000. We will get to this murder at the very end, but we first need to talk about all the horrible things this woman did prior. I just need to give you a little taste of what is coming. This murder crime scene was so bad that some of the police officers quit their jobs and had to go through uh, therapy. It was so traumatizing. So hold on tight. It's going to get real wild, nasty, and sad too. Catherine was the first woman in Australia to be sentenced to life in prison. Now that is huge. No other woman has been. So this just tells you how evil she is. And I don't even know if evil is the right word for her. She's evil and belongs in hell, definitely. Catherine is definitely the product of how she was raised in her family. Because, wow, we're going to talk about all them and her childhood. And we're going to get into all of this because she is a lot. And I do believe that how she was raised has a lot to do with how she became. 
Now, this case, like I said, took me some time to pull together because there's just so much information and it feels never ending. But I wanted to make sure that I give you the best information without making this a three episode case. We're going to try to cram this in one. (laughs) So I got six pages typed. So here we go. Catherine Knight was born on October 24th, 1955 in New South Wales, Australia. As mentioned, Catherine had a terrible childhood. She was raised in a very dysfunctional family, and she was doomed from the beginning. Before she was born, her mother Barbara was married to a man named Jack, who was a pig farmer. They lived in a very small town with only 2,000 people. In New South Wales, it was very well known, and pretty much all anyone did was slaughter pigs. That's all people did there, so that's what this town was known for. That's why he was a pig farmer. They had a little slaughterhouse. Barbara and Jack had four boys together, and Barbara, after all of them were born, decided that she had enough of Jack's gambling and drinking and that she was going to go off and have herself a little affair. Because, yeah, that's what you do. You know, you don't get divorced, you don't work on your problem, but you just go off and have an affair. So Barbara has an affair with a man named Ken Knight. Ken was a co-worker of Jack, and he was also a very good friend of them. So, real nice, Barbara. Now, Barbara ends up having four more kids with Ken, which included her twins, Catherine and Joy. Yes, Catherine is a twin, and don't worry, her twin is just as lovely as ever. Not. This whole family is cuckoo bananas. Somehow, having her a twin makes this a little more twisted. I don't know why. Now, when Catherine was four, her stepdad, Jack, passed away. And the two of the boys that uh, Jack and Barbara shared together went to live with Barbara. And then the other two, I believe, went to go live with an aunt. It's not clear when I was researching um, all these sources where the other boys went, but I believe it was to an aunt. Now, splitting up the siblings, I don't know. That's the best idea, but again... This family was, you know. Now, you think this would all work out as a nice, happy, blended family. Nope. Ken was a littler, little, whatever, I can't say that word. Ken was a piece of shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was an alcoholic, and he used violence and intimidation on Barbara. Barbara constantly had two black eyes all the time. So Barbara... Jack's crap doesn't seem so bad now, huh? It gets better. Nope, not even in the slightest. Ken would do all this in front of the children. Ken also raped Barbara several times a day in front of them. The kids saw all this, and they're seeing this as normal behavior. But they also didn't dare say a word. They knew what would happen to them. Now, Barbara was just as lovely and would share her sex life with Catherine in detail, and also how much she hated men. Okay, so don't get married. I don't don't understand that. She's mother of the year over here. Catherine stated that she was raped by her half-brothers until she was 11 years old. Now, does that surprise anyone? You You expose kids to this behavior and lifestyle, and they think it's normal, so they will do it in return. Now, this assault on Catherine was confirmed by other family members, so 
that's just that's just really sad and we can feel sad for the child but not the person they grew up to be let's remember that okay no child deserves to witness that kind of behavior in a house and think that's normal and no child should endure that being done on them now on top of all this nasty vicious things Ken and Barbara would also take turns beating the kids with electrical cords, dog leashes, and belts. That's just insane. It's just awful, and I have no words for this. These kids, I feel bad for them. The kids, not the adults, because they grew up to be pieces of shit too, all of them. But Catherine's the worst, okay? Now, when Catherine attended Musselbrook High School, she was known as a loner, but also a big bully. And her sister, Joy, well, she was too. Yay! Now, her and her sister at school were known to get into nasty fights with each other, including hitting and punching each other in the face, kicking each other, and just brutal fights. The worst kind. Catherine assaulted a boy at school with a weapon, and she was actually injured by a teacher who was acting in self-defense. This poor teacher... Catherine, I don't even know what she did. It wasn't clear with what I researched, but she she obviously tried to attack a teacher and he injured her trying to defend himself. Good Lord, Catherine is a psycho. <laughs> now, she was known around town to have super dark moods. And then other people would say she was super sweet and kind. So she kind of has two little personalities going on there. I wonder why. I mean, you didn't see anything fun growing up. Catherine dropped out of the school at the age of 18, where she couldn't read or write. Okay, how did she make it to high school? Does anybody else kind of wonder how you get to high school or through any grade if you can't read or write? Well, this is just how it was around there. Kids didn't go to school to learn. It was more to pass the time until they were old enough to work at a slaughterhouse. It's just crazy they do that. Like, they don't care if their kids have education. They're just like, meh, just pass the time, okay? Okay, cool. Now, when she was old enough and the time came for her slaughterhouse job, she actually failed at her first attempt, her, like, first interview. I don't know, like, audition. I don't know how they do those things. I think one report said audition. So did she have to, like, demonstrate slaughtering a pig? I don't know. I don't really want to know. But anyway, she failed at that. So she decided she was going to give it another try, and she, yay, nailed it the second time around. And when she got the job, she said, this is my dream job. Well, isn't it all the kids' dream jobs? I mean, that's all this town did, all of them. I mean, I can't imagine every single one of them. I mean, you had to have, like, groceries and, like, things like that. But i say a majority of them. Now, in 1974, she was 18 and working at the slaughterhouse when she was placed in the awful room. Which, I laugh at this because this is, like, the perfect name for this. This does sound awful, okay? This room is where they extracted the organs and intestines used for food And Catherine was the one in there scraping the blood and bone marrow off the dead animal. Oh, lovely. That sounds like a real good dream job to have. Now, Catherine's coworkers 
would say that she loved going to the front of the production line and watching the pigs get their throats slit. Now, her co-workers all thought she was just learning and wanting to work her way up, but nope, Catherine just spent way too much time in there. Now, Catherine was allowed to start on that production line, and instead of slitting their throats quick so that the animal didn't suffer, she would nick an artery and watch them bleed out slowly super fucked up. I love eating meat. Okay. I know what's involved in it. Okay. Don't come at me. And I appreciate the vegetarians of the world, but I don't really want to know how it's done. I know how it's done, but I don't. And this is just sad. Those poor pigs. I mean, one thing to like cut them real quickly. It's like, whatever, they didn't suffer, but she's making them suffer. And I don't know how long it takes a pig to bleed out, but That's just, this woman fucked up in the head. Now, Catherine, she's just so good at what she does. She gets promoted to bone butchering. Huh, interesting. Now, she receives her own set of butcher knives, which she decides she's going to hang over her bed, which we'll get to a little later when she does that because it's cuckoo bananas, okay? Now, she loved knives, and she loved using them. Not only did she love using them, she was great at it. Super scary. Catherine was a hefty lady with lots of strength. She was over six feet tall, a very big woman, and it's scary how strong she was. I'm also going to quickly mention that I'm on vacation, and that's why I'm able to bring this to you on a Tuesday if you're all wondering why. (laughs) Okay, so now the real fun begins with her relationships. She had four of them. And I am baffled because how in the hell did this woman get four men? When you are about to see how she treats these men... And then they go back to her. I'm going to have lots of comments on that. And if you know this case, you know what's coming. And I'm sure your head is boiling. Because I don't understand how she gets these men. Now, they all loved her too and defended her. Like, what the hell, right? Okay, so... Well, she had that super dark side, but she also had that sweet side. And this was because she had a borderline personality disorder, which wasn't, I don't think, fully diagnosed, but she had the symptoms of it. Now, she would get these men with her sweet side and then just unleash absolute hell on them, but only for a short time. And then her sweet came back and they would stay and forgive her. She would lure them back. It's just crazy, crazy. Now, this disorder is hard to treat, and this disorder can cause self-harm, mood swings, jealousy, and fear of being abandoned. Now, with that said, this disorder does not cause anyone to kill. That is already a part of you to kill. Now, this disorder could probably provoke it a little bit, 
but in no way, if you're diagnosed with that, that you are going to kill. That's not where this came from. Catherine is messed up in the head. She has the disorder, which doesn't help, but she already had the intent to kill. And I'm guessing based upon how she was raised, right? Now let's get into her first relationship with a man named David Kellett. Now, uh, David and Catherine met at work in 1973. David was a hard drinker and a fighter. Now, he was known to get drunk at bars and then just do like bar fights. And he was a really good guy. So it wasn't like he was just going out there fighting people. It was more like bar fights. Now, Catherine, what he really liked about her, and they actually really got along really well. It was because it had, had similar interests like Catherine was known to like jump in the bar fights with him and pretty much kick their ass like she's a big girl but again David was a good guy and Catherine overpowered him and just really didn't deserve anything that came to him and part of me is like David you could have left and hid but you went back to her so part of me doesn't really feel that bad for him because he just he would go back to her. I don't I don't understand it. Now they did get married at the age of 18 in 1974. She actually forced him to do it. On a lunch break, she's like, "We're getting married." It wasn't like a cute romantic thing or anything. Nope, she forced him into it. Now their wedding day came and Barbara, Mommy Dearest, decides that she's going to give David, some words of advice before he marries her daughter. Because, you know, this is going to be great. She told David, you better watch out with her. You rub her the wrong way and she will fucking kill you. Wow, her mom is telling her this. Her mom's a piece of shit and she's saying, my daughter's a piece of shit. Watch out for her. Now on their wedding night, David woke up to Catherine choking him and punching him in the face. So romantic. Now, why did she do this? Well, because they only had sex three times on their wedding night. Um, what? That's a lot. Well, her mom had sex five times on her wedding night, so three times wasn't enough. And where do you think she knew that information from? Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Barbara used to share her sex life. So was she trying to beat mommy? Ew. In the record of how many times you can have sex on your wedding night? Ew. 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 I don't want to think about that. Oh, no. Please don't think about that. I just did. And it's not, it's not fun. Now their marriage did get very violent. Okay. Surprise. Shocker. Spoiler alert. A very pregnant Catherine Yes, they had kids together, okay? One night, she lit all his clothes on fire, and when she got home, she hit him in the back of the head with a frying pan. Okay, this isn't like a cartoon. When you hit somebody with a frying pan, it hurts. They go down. I don't know what kind of a frying pan it was, if it was cast iron or regular, but whatever. That would hurt. And, yeah, he... He was not doing well. So why did she do this, you ask? I mean, there had to be a reason, right? Well, David got home late from a dart tournament. He was in a dart tournament at the bars, and he made it pretty far, and 
the bar actually closed at 10 and it was a little after 10 and she called the bar and he was still there. And that made her mad. So she set his stuff on fire and then hit him in the head with a frying pan. After this happened, (laughs) David managed to make it over to the neighbor's house and then collapsed. Now, he was still, like, hanging on, but at the hospital, he had a fractured skull. Okay? David decided to press charges, but then here comes Catherine using her sweet, innocent side to lure him back in. And she did that, and he dropped the charges. I'm sorry. If my spouse, male or female, set my stuff on fire and hit me in the back of the head with the frying pan, I'm pressing charges and I'm getting a divorce. Right? I don't... I, I, I have no idea. Okay. Well, he returned the next day home after spending a night in the hospital. Because, yeah, that seems accurate. And this is when Catherine hung the knives above the bed. Kind of like an intimidation thing, I'm guessing. A few days pass, and another morning, David woke up to Catherine straddling him and gazing him with a knife across the neck, laughing. She said, It's this easy. I could kill you. I'm sorry, what? This man needs to leave. Please leave, David. Please, please leave. Uh but we don't really want David to leave because what happens when he does is just... Okay, so David, surprisingly, I don't know why, said he would never lay a hand on her and he would just walk away. Like, bro, get out of there. Now, after the birth of their first child in 1976 is when David decided he was going to leave her for another woman. He had enough of the abuse and the excessive threatening to cut him. And then there was the fact that Catherine had swung their newborn daughter by her ankles around. Yeah, she seems like the best mommy ever. But that's what took David and he's like, I'm out of here. The next day after David left, she was seen walking her baby in a carriage and violently swinging her carriage from side to side against fences. This is when she was actually sent to a psych ward. And this is when the system fails. There's a lot of times the system fails, but this is really like she needed to stay in there, but she was released very quickly. Just insane. Like keep her in there. Now, She's released, and two days after she's released, she places her two-month-old daughter, Melissa, on the train track. She just lays her there. And this bitch just leaves, goes into town where she stole an axe, and started swinging it at people, threatening to kill whoever. Just mad woman on the loose, swinging it. Now this man around town known as Old Ted... Oh, that's so cute. Um, Was like foraging around the train tracks. And he saw the poor baby just laying there. And he rescued Melissa just before the train was coming. 
And what's funky to me, and as I'll, I'll mention it again later, is her kids defend her and stick up for her. And Melissa has no, like, hate towards her mom. But I'm like, I think it's just, like, a product of what they know. They were just used to the abuse. Catherine was arrested for this, and she was sent back to the psych ward, where a day later, she checked herself out. Again, fail by the system. How is she allowed to check herself out? I don't understand. This woman has now done two things to her baby. Horrific things. But the worst part of this is, after she checked herself out, Melissa was given back to her. I'm sorry. No, this should not be happening. Now, Catherine moved in with her parents. And yay, because that seems like the smart thing to do. And a few days later, because yeah, she's completely cured. So she checks herself out, gets her baby back, and she moves in with her parents a few days later. Awesome. She left with her infant child, Melissa, and told her parents that she was going back home to pick up a few things. Well, she went back home, and what did she pick up? Well, well, she picked up a huge curved slaughter knife, more knives, and band-aids. Okay, yeah, completely normal. Let's not get more clothes for my daughter or myself. Let's pick up knives and band-aids. Like, what? You think a little band-aid is going to help a a curved slaughterhouse knife? You think that's going to treat it? Now, she took her and Melissa to a teenage boy's house that she worked with at the slaughterhouse. And his mom answered the door. Catherine tells her that her baby is very sick and needs a ride to the hospital in Queensland. Of course, this woman's like, yes, I will help you and your baby. Catherine told her, I live down the street and I need to pick up a few things first. You can pick me up down there. Now, this woman gathered her many kids and loaded them in the car. This woman had a lot of kids, by the way. They pull up to Catherine's, and when Catherine saw that there were a bunch of kids in the car, she got enraged, scary enraged, and she pulled out the curved knife and said, this is too many of you. I'm going to have to get rid of some of you, and then proceeded to swing the knife and cut one of the little girl's cheeks. She then held them hostage in the front yard while she was digging for her gun where she hid it. Come to find out, her father had removed it days earlier, thank God. I assume he did this to protect his granddaughter from being killed, which, even though her dad was a piece of shit, like, okay, bravo on you. Like, let's not have the child killed. She's almost been killed twice. Now, I imagine if he hadn't done this, Catherine probably would have murdered this entire family. She continues to hold this family hostage and says, take me to Queensland. I'm going to find my husband. Ooh, she was looking for David. Now this family says, fine, but we have to stop for gas. And Catherine's like, okay, fine. I can cash my check while I'm there. (laughs) Perfect, right? Now while she is inside doing this, this entire family runs out of the car and locks themselves inside the office of the gas station. Catherine gets super pissed and with her super strength, using her bare hands, by the way, bare hands, 
ripped the blade off of a giant lawnmower that was attached to the back of a tractor. Now, I looked one of these up, and these things were ginormous. And how she didn't, I don't know if she cut her hand or not, but holy hell, this is scary. She literally scares the shit out of me. She took this blade and starts hacking away at the door. This family inside the office is screaming. And the best part is, Catherine is hacking away at this door with this giant blade while she's holding her baby, Melissa. Catherine gets into the office and she grabs one of the little boys, holds a knife to his throat. And she only stopped when police showed up. Now, she was disarmed when police used brooms to get her. I'm sorry, brooms. Like, how was that going to stop this woman with super strength and a, and a knife? But anyway, they got the job done with brooms. <laughs> I don't... And, well, back to the psych ward she goes and had no charges put against her. Now, she tells the attendees at the ward that she originally wanted to kill the mechanic at that gas station because he worked on David's car one time, which allowed him to escape from her. Great! And she was going to Queensland to kill David and his mother where he was staying. Now, David, hearing this news, he decides, I'm going to move back closer to Catherine and help support her. I'm sorry, what? How? Okay. David's a good guy. I don't feel sorry for him. Like, he goes back to this woman. Okay. Now, he does move in with her again. I, I've i been saying this a lot, but seriously, guy, my dude, leave for good. Please change your identity something. Now, she was released from this psych ward on August 9th, 1976. I don't know. I couldn't find, like, how long she was in there. I don't know if it was weeks, months, a couple days. Who knows with this system? Uh, Catherine was released to David and his mom, who she had planned to kill. Yeah, that seems like a logic thing to do. The system is just killing me. I'm just saying. Now, David and his mom had moved to Woodsridge, and Catherine got a job at the Denmore Meatworks. Of course. Now, her family, who we know is batshit crazy too, right? They all thought it was David's fault she was going crazy. Now, remember, this is the same mom who told David that Catherine was going to kill him on his wedding night. And now she's blaming David. Uh, Catherine's living, well, she's not living, but she's visiting with her mom and David goes over and he picks her up and at her mom's house and Barbara comes running out to the car, elderly Barbara, by the way, at this point, right? Giving it to him, telling him, stay away from my daughter. And then she reached into the car and started strangling David. Catherine sees this, runs out, grabs her mother, spins her mother around, and then punches her right in the face, knocking her out to the ground. Her elderly mom. Okay, her mom's a piece of shit, but still. Now, they all moved back to Queensland, and on March 6, 1980, they had another daughter. Because that fixes everything. It solves everything, right? It makes the marriage better. Now, in 1984, after more abuse and craziness, 
Catherine finally leaves David. Well, yeah, she left him, not the other way around. Catherine finally leaves David. Crazy. David should have left, but Catherine leaves. She moved in with her parents for a little bit, and then she rented a house and was working back at the slaughterhouse. While she's working at the slaughterhouse, she intently hurt her back to get work disability. And she did. Like, and she was living off that, and she had housing due to it. So she's just like living the good life, Miss Catherine. Living it up. Now, this is when we get into our second relationship. In 1986, so just a couple years after David leaves her, or I should say Catherine left him. I want to pretend that it's David because he deserved to leave her and not the other way around. Okay. This is when Catherine met her second David, David Saunders. Hmm. Another David. I'll probably call him Saunders so we don't get the Davids confused. Okay. But I don't know if I wrote my notes like that, but just because when I say David, we might be thinking of the first David, but it's the second David because we're talking about the second David now. Now, people knew Saunders as a super nice and gentle guy. Someone who hated violence and loved dogs. This poor man. A few months later, okay, just a couple months later, he moves in with her and her two daughters. Now, Saunders did keep his apartment, which Catherine was not happy about. Shocking. She was super jealous and wondering what he was doing. Well, I think he just kind of kept it because he didn't know what to do with it. But, you know, she would kick him out often and that's where he would go. And then he'd come back because of sex. I guess this is how she would get them back. I don't know. She, she found him in his apartment and they had sex and he went back to her. I can't with this. Now... In May 1987, Saunders says this is one of the worst things, one of the worst arguments that they had. So it's May 1987, and both of them had an argument, and Catherine stepped outside. And this is sad, guys. She slit the throat of his eight-week-old puppy just to say, this is what could happen to you if you ever step out on me. That is just so heartbreaking. Just to get him since he knows she loves dogs. And then she knocked him out with a frying pan. This woman and her frying pans. Seriously. Now, coworkers said it wasn't uncommon for him to come to work with cuts and bruises on his face. Oh, she even broke a few of his ribs and... One of the cuts on his wrist was deep and needed stitches. She's lucky she didn't hit an artery, or maybe not. Maybe that's what she was intending. I have no clue. Now, in June 1988, she gave birth to her third daughter and named her Barbara. Oh, good. After the woman you punched in the face. Nice. Just stop having kids with this woman, people. Birth control, please. Now, this took... Catherine hitting Saunders in the face with an iron and stabbing him in the stomach with scissors is when he decided that it was time for him to leave. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what does it. Not killing your puppy. No. 
No. Or having cuts and bruises all over your face. No, not that. It's getting hit in the face with an iron and getting stabbed in the stomach with scissors. Completely nice. Before this relationship was completely over, she decided she was going to vandalize his car. And then she took an overdose of sleeping pills to act like she was going to try to kill herself. Back to the psych ward she goes. Now, Saunders had to go in hiding from her. This poor man just couldn't escape her. And Catherine tried to find him, and he was nowhere, thank God. But he did have to go back for his daughter, because remember they had a daughter together. Again, stop having women, children with her, okay? Now, this time, she put a restraining order on him. Interesting, right? She told police that he was a danger to her. Okay, sure. I think it's the other way around. This wasn't the case. The men she hurt, she was beating her children at this point. Yeah, she would beat her children. Just like her mom did. This is just a product of how she was raised. It was normal. This is not anything else that they knew. She walked over to Melissa when Melissa was 12 years old and then just punched her square in the face. Like I said earlier, for reasons today, all her kids seem to stick up for her and defend her. I just, I don't get it. Just brainwashed, I guess. I don't know. It's just sad. That's just sad. So one night when Melissa was an adult, she was out at the pub, drinking with her friends, having a great old time, just living life. You know, a happy life that she could. And Catherine shows up and grabs Melissa by the hair. And then repeatedly banged Melissa's head against the bar. Excuse me, what? This is your daughter. Others saw this, obviously, and Melissa collapsed on the floor. Catherine drug her by the hair to the car and then smashed her head with force against the side of it, then throwing her in the passenger seat. All this just to get her to go home. Couldn't be like, hey, I'm here to pick you up. Let's go home. Or calling the bar and saying, hey, Melissa, it's time to come home. No, this is how she reacts because she's mother of the year. Now, people at the bar saw this, but they were too scared to help. This woman's scary. I get it. But the bystander effect, like we talked about this earlier, it's like, just say something. Do something, please. Now, bye-bye, David Saunders. R.I.P. Not really, but he's gone. Now we're on man number three. That's right. She gets a third man. And this happens in 1990. And this is when she meets a man named John Chillingworth. He is a 43-year-old former slaughterhouse worker. And within weeks of the meeting, she gets pregnant. Seriously? Someone give this woman birth control. And in 1991, she gave birth to a son named Eric. Now, Catherine refused to let John move into her home because it was her mother's house who had just died. R.I.P. Barbara. Not. Now, in her mother's house that she now owns, she has decorated this home with machetes, heads of animals, knives, dead animal carcass, and just imagining this house was just covered with this. 
And she didn't want him moving in to her mom's house. So, you know, because she left that to Catherine. That's not his. She can't, he can't live there. Well, it's just like, bye-bye, Barbara. Good riddance, you nasty poach. Now, Catherine wanted all the dead things decorated in her house. She loved the bones and skulls in her house. Just disgusting. I get taxidermy and stuff, but this was like next level. Weirdly enough, this relationship lasted three years and only ended when she smashed David, or I'm sorry, John's fake teeth to bits. It's unclear, didn't say in the reports if they were in his mouth at the time or if they were not, but I'm going to guess they were because if that's what it took for him to leave her, I, oh my God, this woman is so much. She is evil. She is pure evil. Now this is when she met her second John, John Price. Huh. She met him at a club of all places. <laughs> I can't picture this woman. If you look at her, I can't picture her getting her dance on and acting normal. Like, I just, I can't. I literally can't with this woman. Like, she's trying to, like, live it up at the club. No, 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 no. Now, John, whose nickname was Pricey, which I will call him so that we don't get him confused with the last John. Okay? Now, this was... He was born. I'm going to give you a little background story on him because this is the one that, okay, this is going to get awful. If it wasn't already awful, this is about to get more awful, okay? Now, Pricey was born on January 26th, 1955, and he was the father of three children he had with his ex-wife, Colleen. Colleen and Pricey separated in 1988, and his older daughter went to live with the mother while the other two children went to live with him. Now he was very well liked and very kind. And Colleen even let him keep the house. I think they like ended on good terms, you know. Um so one of the kids was an adult and the other two were teenagers. They never I'm sorry my phone just buzzed. Um sorry I lost my place. Um, they never did get divorced, just separated because Pricey was still very much in love with his ex-wife still. And I don't know the reasonings why they separated, but they did. And, you know, Pricey going into this relationship with Catherine was very aware of her violence and past when he moved in with her in 1990 or when she moved in with him in 1995. So she moves into his house. Sorry. But Pricey thought he could change her. Now, of course, they did have violent arguments. He constantly said no to marrying her, and this pissed her off to all belief. That she went and stole some of his money to buy herself an engagement ring. Now, this really pissed off his kids. And they said, you're crazy. <laughs> like... She used his money to buy an engagement meeting. He said he didn't want to get married. John sees this and says, no, we aren't getting married just because you're wearing that. Well, and even anyway, he couldn't get married. He was only separated, not divorced, right? And in 1998, they were having an argument. Shocker. And Catherine was so pissed that she left his house 
that he, I'm sorry, that he left his house and everything in his children's name so that if he were to die, it didn't go to her. It went to his children. Like, hello, you guys aren't married. That's his children. He's a nice guy. That's pissed her off. She did not like this. And like I said, she's living at John's house this time. That night, she videotaped because she was so pissed. All the things in his tool shed that he had stolen from his work and sent it to his boss. Now, the things that he had were not stolen. He was not a thief. They were expired medical kits that had been thrown away. And he got them from the trash because they were still kind of good. And he just kept them. He was just like a thrifter, right? Now, she sent this to his boss and they fired him immediately from the job that he had for 17 years. That is just sad. He didn't steal, but they thought that as theft, I guess, from stealing from the trash, which I don't know. I guess that's a thing. Stealing from company trash, maybe, but they were expired. They threw them out. I don't know. Anyway, he got fired, and that night he went home and told Catherine, get the fuck out of my house. Catherine returned to her house, aka Barbara's house that she left, and news got around what she did. And a few months later, Pricey took her back. I don't get it, you guys. I still don't get it. Even after hearing this case, reading this case, even you guys hearing this are probably like, what the hell? Now, this time around, he said, you can't move in with me. We can't live together. We have to live in separate houses. But this just made the fighting get worse and more violent, of course. She wanted to live there. So much... His friends didn't even want to hang around him. Like she was that bad. That violence was that bad that his friends didn't even want to hang around him. And they were afraid that she was going to do something really bad and they didn't want to be around for it. Now, Catherine was talking to Pricey in front of one of Pricey's friends, Trevor. And she tells Pricey, you'll never get me out of this house or I will do you in. Now, Kenneth, Catherine's brother, said that five months before the murder, Catherine told him, I'm going to kill Pricey, and I'm going to get away with it because I'll make out that I'm mad. Well, I don't think that'll be too hard. You're pretty psycho. You're pretty freaking psycho. After one fight, Pricey ran to the neighbor's house and said that Catherine has a Berkshire knife and she's going to kill me. Now, she did stab him in the chest. Now, Pricey actually met up with David number one, David Kellett, one time. And that, you know, he was scared and telling him, like, I want to get out, but I can't get out. And David just kind of was like being that comforting words for him, you know, because he lived through it. But Pricey's scared. He's like, I can't get out. I can't get out. Okay, hold on. This is going to get... Even more bananas, if you believe it. A day before John's murder, Catherine was acting very strange. And she stopped by her twin sister's house, Joy, where she picked up a video camera that she had left. Then she went over her, over to her daughter Natasha's house and then videotaped herself playing with Natasha's baby. Okay, that's just so unlike Catherine, right? Like, she's not that loving grandma. Now, in this video, she looks at the camera and says, I love all my children. 
I hope to see you all again. She's just doing this weird stuff. On the video, she's opening up her shirt and letting the kids play with her chest. I'm sorry, what? On camera. This makes me uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. Now, she made lots of comments of her kids saying things like, or the kids were saying lots of comments that she made them say, just like covering her bases to say, I'm a good person. It's just very out of character. Now, she decided, part of this out of characterness, that she was going to take her daughter Natasha out for Chinese food, and she wanted to make it a special night. There she asked her daughter to take her two young kids for the night, which Natasha thought was weird and she suspected something and looked at Catherine and said, I hope you're not going to kill Pricey and yourself. Okay. If you have that suspect or suspicion, Natasha, go say something to the police. But I feel like um, that... This is just, she's brainwashed, and so I don't know what the thing on that is. But in any case, on February 29th, Price took out a restraining order on Catherine to keep her away from him and mostly his kids. He then goes to work and tells his coworkers at his new job, because he got a new job, yay, Pricey, that if he didn't come home to work the next day, it was because Catherine killed him. So he even knows, like, something's going on. He feels that Catherine's going to kill him. Now, his coworkers plead with, pleaded with him not to go home. I mean, they've seen the cuts, the bruises. They've seen all that. They know what the deal is. But he said, if I don't go home, I think she's going to kill my children instead. So he went home, and Catherine wasn't there, and neither were the kids. Now, his kids went to their mom's and hers went to Natasha's. So he decides he's going to go to bed at 11. While he's sleeping and Catherine's out and about gallivanting, Catherine stops at a thrift store and buys some black lingerie. <laughs> Ew. I don't want to use, I don't want to use lingerie. Anyway, she's going to try to get herself all sexy to go kill. Yeah, that's right. She gets to his house and she decides, I'm going to watch some TV for a little bit. And then she takes a shower. Then she goes to Price's room, wakes him up, and they have sex. He falls back asleep and this pisses her off. And she takes out her just-in-case butcher knife and stabs him over 36 times. Pricey awoke during this and he tried to run so he tried to turn on the light and then he tried to escape from her now she's chasing him and managed to but he manages to open up the front door based on the blood evidence and by the blood on the doorstep he did manage to get outside also according to blood evidence he was dragged back inside as Catherine is still stabbing him in a frenzy until he finally collapses and dies he was stabbed 37 times. There was so much blood everywhere. Splatter and spots of blood everywhere. There was blood in the hallway measuring three feet wide. I'm sorry, that's a lot of blood. The time police arrived in the morning, 
there was so much blood that it was still wet. I don't know like the correct terminology, but like blood dries, right? But there was so much of it, it was still wet. Now the autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed in his front and the back of his body, stabbing vital organs such as the liver, stomach, and aortas, like major, major stuff. There was no chance of survival even after after um, she killed him. Now, after she killed Pricey, she naturally, she showered and then stole his ATM card to go by to go to a nearby town and pulls out a thousand bucks. Now, this is dumb on her, but yay, because this shows that she was very aware of her actions. She was very lucid while she killed Pricey, and then she goes off and uses his ATM card to pull out money, which is a very aware action to do. Now, several hours later, she took his body and skinned him in one piece. One entire piece including his face and ears. She used several knives and tools, but she left one piece of skin where she had previously stabbed him. She hung the skin from a meat hook, and here it stayed until police found it. Now, she was good at this, and a mortician was able to sew his skin back on because it was all in one piece. Now, imagine it didn't look really good, but he was able to, like, put him back together. Now, after she skinned him, she decapitated him and then placed his head in a large pot with vegetables. She sliced his butt and cooked that up and served it with baked potato, pumpkin, beets, zucchini, cabbage, squash, and she made a special gravy. Now, who did she want to serve this up to? Well, it's morning, but the table's set with the meat and vegetables along with some of the stew. And she had two place cards with notes, which has never been released. So that's scary. It was disturbing. I'm taking it. Now, these place cards were and notes were addressed to his two children. She prepared this for his children to eat. There was a picture of Price in the middle of the table with a note that said, which a lot of it, by the way, was misspelled. And I'm actually quite surprised she even wrote a note. I got you back, Jonathan, raping my daughter. I go back now and I eat little John's dick. She threw some of the meat in the yard for the dogs. And also the head was simmering away on the stove with the veggies when it was found. When police arrived, the pot was still warm when they found it. She had prepped or propped the rest of his body, his skinless body and headless body up in a like reclinal chair and put his arm over a Coke bottle, like nothing. Now the next day at 6 a.m., neighbors got concerned when they noticed that his car was still there, like he didn't leave for work. And when he didn't show up at work, his coworkers knew and that him and the neighbors tried, or them and the neighbors tried knocking on the door and all they saw was blood. Police arrived at the scene at 8 a.m. and busted down the back door to see the horror show. With Catherine still there, passed out and comatose from taking pills. On March 2nd, 2001, she was charged with first-degree murder, and she pled not guilty. Now, in a day, she changed her mind and pled guilty, and she received life in prison, one of the first, one of, well, actually the first woman in Australia 
and she currently resides in Silverwater Women's Correctional Center. She's still alive today. I believe she's like, I don't know how old she is, but anyway, she's still alive and kicking, unfortunately. Ah, that was our tough one today. Thank you for bearing with me as this episode was late. I do apologize. Life happens, right? But we made it. We're here. You're getting it on a Tuesday. And good news, like I said, we're going to get the one sooner. We're going to do one on Sunday. We're going to be back on regular schedule. And I hope everybody's having a fabulous week. And as always, you can see this disgusting human being on my Insta at Twisted Wicked Crime the Pod. And you can also email me um, if you want to trip chat or give me case suggestions at Twisted Wicked Crime the Podcast at gmail.com. I hope everybody stays healthy, they stay happy, you make good choices, and you stay alive. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.